Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2019-20 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap the wins over UT Martin and Gardner-Webb. We'll be joined by Paul Solentrop of Wichita State, get his thoughts on the first four games as well as the games down in Cancun coming next week. We'll also preview next week's Cancun Challenge, games against South Carolina and potentially West Virginia or Northern Iowa. Great show coming up for you right after this. The Talk Angry Podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com. That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. The Shockers are 4-0 after going 2-0 last week in the Cancun Challenge preliminary round games. Taylor will join us later in the show, but producer Brian and I will take you through last week's game, starting with a 103-62 win over UT Martin. Wichita State tied their school record with 15 three-pointers. Five Shockers were in double figures. We talked on last week's show about that Texas Southern game and, you know, is the offense going to struggle? And, you know, certainly UT Martin isn't going to, you know, be a team that makes the tournament or anything like that. But it was good to see the offense get back on track. Well, I think what was really great about that game is so many people had a positive experience. I mean, when you're struggling on offense the way they did against Texas Southern, I think what's really important about these few games before they go into their next phase of a more difficult schedule is to just get everybody's mind right. Start hitting some shots, running your offense, and and being honest, Tennessee Martin really didn't put up much resistance. Uh, they they didn't they just kind of ran out there. Um, but I, I really loved seeing Tyson Etienne the way he was just stroking it. I mean, his shot just looks super smooth. So just seeing guys, you know, being aggressive, looking for each other, sharing the ball. And, and I think to me, the big thing was the number of assists, 29 assists during that game. And I think that's going to be a factor. Just the more this team works together, the more they work as a cohesive unit, they're just going to be much harder for a defensive minded team to clamp down on. There were some gaudy statistics from this game. Wichita State was plus 48 in bench production. They were plus 24 in points in the paint. They shot 56.3% from the field. Uh, and their 56 bench points were the third most ever in school history. They also scored 100 points for the first time since 2017. But maybe the most encouraging thing that came from this game was Jamarius Burton and his shooting. He scores 18 points. Uh, goes four of five from three-point land and uh, really looks like the work in the offseason has uh, proved uh, fruitful when it comes to his shot. I mean, you really can see it in the way he releases the ball. It's a much more fluid, a much quicker motion that he's gone through. There there aren't quite as many kinks uh, in the shot that he, that he had last season. So he really has clearly put in a lot of work to simplify that motion and get it really effective. But it's still a good high-release 
uh, I think it's still effective. And and he doesn't he doesn't have to be an amazing shooter. If he's an amazing shooter, man, he's going to be really hard to stop with his size and physicality that he can bring to the game. But just being uh, a threat from the outside really forces teams to respect him. And I think that that allows him to bring his point guard skills into the game. One thing that I think both of these games showcased this week was the Shockers' depth. Last year, you had a lot of games where if Marcus McDuffie was on or Samaj Hange jones was on, the Shockers would win. But you had some other games where if they were maybe a little off their game, it was a struggle, particularly on the offensive end. Whereas this year, you have 10, 11 guys that can all go out and, and produce on a pretty consistent basis. And so, you know, in the second game against Gardner-Webb, you have Dexter Dennis not scoring any points to late in the second half, but still you have that offensive output. You have people that are able to, to put the ball in the hoop. Well, I think with the last year's seniors graduating, you see the sophomores this year really wanting to step up and contribute and be the leaders and really facilitate the team working well together. And then on, on the flip side, you know, with these freshmen coming in, it's not like there's an entrenchment of all these seniors with all this experience in front of them. So, I mean, even even though we talk about the experience that comes back, it's still a lot of sophomores. Jaime isn't back yet, uh, coming back from the injury. And so I think with, with all that, it's there isn't that much threat. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm taking shots away from, you know, Marcus McDuffie or Samaje, who are the seniors who've been around for years. There's... There's more of a, hey, you know, it's it's whoever's open, whoever's got the best shot, they're going to take it, and, and they are all capable of making those shots. Moving on to the second game, I mentioned Gardner-Webb. Wichita State was victorious 74-52. They led wire to wire, led by as much as 31 in the second half. This was another game uh, where we saw not only Burton play well, but Big Mo Udeze, he had his second straight career-high uh, points uh, game when he scores 15 in this one. What I really like about what Mo brings to the game is his physicality. He he wants the contact. He invites the contact. He wants to play through it uh, and get to the basket. And I think that we would like to see that rub off on on all the post players is just just to be physically aggressive and go make things happen. Certainly, you know he outweighed the opposing center by like forty pounds, so he could he could bully his way in there as much as he wanted. It'll be interesting to see how things change for him over the course of the season as we go into conference play and the opposing centers are a little bit taller, a little bit longer, and, and way more. You know, Is he going to still be able to have as much success uh, pushing through it? But certainly really love the way he's playing, love the energy that he brings to the game. We've seen Noah Fernandez play a little bit more and uh, does split time at point guard with Grant Sherfield this last game. Grant played 17 minutes, Noah played 11. What have you maybe seen from both of those guys at the point guard position that uh, I think you have to be excited with two freshmen playing as consistently as they have? I know uh, Sherfield had five turnovers against UT Martin, followed that up with zero, and really the entire team has been limiting turnovers here early in the season. I think that's the biggest thing because you – you put young players in that position where they're the ball dominant position and you're thinking, well, there's at least going to be a handful of turnovers, but really other than some inconsistencies here and there uh, from Sherfield, which you can expect there's, there's going to be ups and downs. Uh, they've really taken good care of the basketball. And I like the way that they see the floor. There was a great pass from Sherfield to, to Trey Wade in the post, just in the dunker spot, just a really quick, uh, one-handed pass with a lot of mustard on it just made it easy for him to go up and dunk. And, and so they see the floor well. 
Really love the way Fernandez sees the floor, and they're also very quick, and that translates on the defensive end is that they can put a lot of pressure on the ball. So I, I really look forward to, as they start to get the feel of the game and the speed of the game and it starts to slow down for them, I expect them to continue to get a lot better. I mean, as a fan, you get excited for what this team's going to look like in February and March, but think about 2020, 2021, or 2021, 2022. I mean, we're going to see the same guys out here for these next few years. So, yes, you're, you might have some attrition in the program, different things like that, but all these guys are talented. They seem to be saying the right things. I've heard Tyson talk on the radio. I've heard Grant talk on the radio. I haven't heard Noah yet, but, I mean, they all seem to, you know, they, they just buy into the program itself and, hey, we're more about the team than anything so I don't know it seems like yes they haven't really played that great a competition but there's good exciting things to come here I think they're very focused and they're very determined I think not making the NCAA tournament last year really kind of weighs on the sophomores a little bit and and I think that they've got a lot of energy to push towards uh, getting back and I think that that translated in the offseason with these freshmen it's just kind of rubbed off on them I mean they these guys all come into the program having aspirations of playing at the next level and they take their game very seriously even though they're freshmen Grant Sherfield and Tyson Etienne are very focused on developing themselves as players they're studying film they're putting in the extra work to get their shots up and I think that's going to translate to the team overall having a lot more success as long as they keep in mind I think Marshall's even addressed this the one thing he's got to work on is just making sure to eliminate the hero ball we saw some of that in the game against Gardner-Webb and just some fits and spurts, a little lull here and there where the offense didn't really click as well, and and some players just trying to be heroes. And, and I think as long as Marshall's going to get that out of their systems, and the, once that really happens, this team is going to be hard to beat because of the way they can move the ball and, and depend on a lot of guys to score. Let's take a break. The rest of the show, you get two beat riders for the price of one. When we come back, we'll be joined by Paul Solentrop, who covers the team for Wichita State. In the last segment of the show, we'll be joined by Taylor Eldridge. We'll talk about the Cancun Challenge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We're joined now by a voice that is very familiar to Shocker fans. It's Paul Solentrop, who covers Shocker athletics for Wichita State. Paul, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We are doing great. And my first question is, do you get to go down to Cancun to sunny Mexico next week? I'm not. I will be here in uh, hopefully sunny Wichita. I'll be watching on TV like everybody else. Well, that well, that's not as fun as I wanted to start things off. But uh, the Shockers have had a good start to the season, four and zero. A little bit of a scare with Texas Southern, but I think uh, most fans have seen things that they can get excited about. Certainly, you've seen areas that I know the team still wants to improve on. But uh, kind of first question for you would be: uh, Has anything surprised you thus far, four games into the season, or maybe what are you pleasantly surprised with? Uh, I don't know that there's anything tremendously surprising. Uh, I, you know, after watching this team, you know, I don't watch them a whole lot in the summer, but you check in on practice every once in a while. And then once it gets into September and October, you watch them a little bit more. I went to the close scrimmage against Nebraska. And so from that, and then from talking to 
the people that you know coaches that were there more often i was i thought this team had a chance to be pretty good uh maybe they didn't play as well as i had hoped in the first two games i think we saw that come out in texas southern uh so maybe that was a little bit of a surprise but then boy i think they really played well in the next two and of course you got to adjust for the you know for the competition but uh maybe the guards in some ways are coming along faster than I thought. I thought they were going to be good, but the turnovers numbers are really low, and I think that's really encouraging. Now, again, you got to account for competition, and there are a couple of those games where they, you know, they didn't pass the ball very much. Therefore, you know, they want, there were fewer chances for turnovers. So, no, I think it's. Uh, I guess maybe Asgorn thought maybe he'd get off to a stronger start, build on last year, and he's really his playing time is really really cut back. Paul, you mentioned uh, we're, we're coming up out of the, the struggles against Texas Southern. Uh, team was really turning it around, but the schedule of strength is is not quite very high yet, and we're getting ready to go to this off-site tournament, playing a Frank Martin team, potentially playing a Bob Huggins team. How do you feel like this offensive explosion we've seen the last few games is going to translate when the opponent's defense really starts to ramp up? Well, uh, I think the schedule was set up really well for a team that, uh, you know, although it kind of seems experienced because a lot of the guys played a lot last year, you're still, you know, there's only one senior in Jaime and he's not playing. Um, and then there's a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores. So it's not a super experienced team. So I like the way they set up the schedule. I think it'll kind of lead naturally, you know, you're able to fix some things. You're able to have some things go wrong, but still win. Uh, you're able to get better, get some confidence, get a lot of things going in a positive direction. And then the, yeah, then there's no doubt the competition steps up and we'll see. I don't know how good South Carolina is. They're a little bit hard to get a read on after they lost at home to Boston University. 78 to 70. Uh, they beat North Alabama. They beat Wyoming. Held Wyoming to 32 points. Uh, beat Cleveland State pretty handily. So it'll definitely be a step up in competition, but I think if you're the, you know, if you're the basketball coaches, if you're Greg Marshall, you think we've, we've strategically plotted out our schedule to stair step up to an SEC opponent. If you look at Ken Palm rankings, actually the Shockers are the second highest rated team coming into this Cancun challenge, only trailing West Virginia, which is at number 50. Uh, a lot of Shocker fans obviously follow your blog, The Roundhouse, out at Roundhouse News on Twitter, and you wrote after last night's game about the uh, play of Burton and uh, Udeze. So let's talk a little bit about both of those guys, both with Burton shooting and also Udeze, a guy we thought maybe might be red shirting this year now really contributing at the center position yeah i thought he really showed a lot of offensive i guess confidence and and being aggressive and that was the word his teammates used last night uh you know if you remember last year he played really well points in that win over providence uh but then he was just out with a shoulder injury and we kind of lost track of him I think he really showed, uh, you know, he got the ball in good positions. He's not a guy that's going to make a lot of, you know, two dribble moves and fake and those kind of things. But if he gets the ball in a good position, he's long 
And if he goes, you know, aggressively to the hoop, that's what we saw. And he got to the free throw line, made some free throws. So I think that was really encouraging, uh, especially when you consider that you know, at some point, perhaps soon, they'll get Jaime Echenique back. And Jamarius Burton, boy, that's just been great because you looked at him and the one area where he really needed to improve was shooting and, you know, small, small sample size. I guess you got to warm up against that, but it really looks good. And he's definitely putting the ball in the basket. So he's really played well. Before the season, we saw KU and Missouri decide to start up a annual series in basketball again. So from Wichita State's perspective, is there one team or one program out there that you'd like to see them start a series with again that maybe they have some history with? Ooh, are you, this just is my favorite question in the world. For years, I've been thinking that, or I say years, I guess all the way back to 2013. I, I think Creighton and Wichita State should do a you know, an Omaha, Kansas City, Wichita uh, series. I think that's that would be excellent for both teams. Uh, I think they could draw well in Kansas City. I think both teams, you know, they have they have rivals. Creighton's got Nebraska. Creighton's got the Big East. Uh, I think Wichita State will, if they haven't already, will develop uh, rivals in the American. They've got OU and Oklahoma State, which has been nice. But I think that Wichita State-Creighton thing, as long as you don't let it go too long, I think that would be... That would be special. I think people would like that and be a good way to showcase both of those both of those programs. How do you see things turned out in the American Conference this year? Um, Houston, I think everybody has a lot of respect for Kelvin Sampson and they lost lost a lot of talented players, especially in the backcourt, but I think they will I think they will be one of the better teams. Um, and then I have not checked. I know Jaron Cumberland had sat out a game or two for Cincinnati and I don't know if you know if he's back if he is still playing then that's very helpful for the Bearcats uh if not perhaps that would knock them down a peg final question for you we saw um uh, Jaden Michael signed with the team here uh, this week for next year. So just maybe talk about the depth that this team will have the next three years, really, you know, as long as everyone stays with the program, having about the same roster through that time period. Yeah, this group will be similar. You know, the program has gone through this before where you get a, you know, you get a group of however many it is, three, four, five that, uh, you know, that come in, freshmen and and sophomores and that group kind of grows together and this looks like it could definitely be that that kind of a group uh i think that after the first two seasons in the american the coaches looked at their roster and said we need more guys like jaron cumberland we need you know more guys like uh you know armani brooks the houston guard those those kind of players and so i think they feel like they've gone out and got them and apparently uh the, the recruit fits that. He's kind of a big physical wing. They, Greg Marshall compared him to Dexter Dennis. And if he's that kind of player, then that's exactly the kind of guy that you need to to win in the American. So, yeah, if they are able to keep this group together, then uh, that, that would seem to really, really be a good thing for Wichita State basketball. And a lot of players that can play different positions that seem really flexible, kind of plug and play. And uh, we, we've seen it this year. You know, Dexter Dennis last night has zero points through most of the game, finishes with five, I believe. But, you know, there's there always seems to be two or three guys who are on that night. So okay, it kind of gets you excited if you're. Especially in the backcourt, I think he's got. 
several people that can play point guard, which means you can put two, maybe even sometimes three people with point guard skills on the uh, on the floor, and that really helps if you want to push the ball. Uh, you know, really helps with shooting to spread the court. Greg is Marshall has talked a lot about that, about how much he likes his team shooting and how it can spread the defense. So, you know, you've got Jamarius Burton, you've got Grant Sherfield, Tyson Etienne, uh, Eric Stevenson isn't really a point guard, but boy, he had some nice ball handling and passing moments last night. Um, so you've got three, four guys that you can put out there that you feel pretty confident about their ability to make plays for other people, knock down a jump shot, get the ball out on the break. And that's a, that's a really nice thing to have. Well, it's always great to talk to you, Paul. We appreciate you taking the time. Our listeners, of course, can follow you on Twitter at Paul Solentrop and at Roundhouse News. Any uh, exciting stories or, or things you look forward to covering throughout the year? Just looking forward to some of the, you know, the, the standard stuff, men's basketball, uh, women's basketball has some interesting stories. There's always, you know, when you got so many athletes out there, there's always interesting things going on. Uh, basketball will be fun, uh, you know, a lot of home games. So I'm looking forward to all those kind of things. And with uh, Eric Wedge leading the baseball program, I think we'll have some storylines in the spring as well. Yeah, and boy, that's not you know. Now we're almost we're almost to Thanksgiving, and when you're to Thanksgiving, it's almost Christmas time, and then yeah, baseball seems to get started really quickly after that. They're putting in new turf out at X Stadium, and I know people are are very excited. They've sold skyboxes, they've sold tickets, and people are eager to see uh, you know Shocker baseball return to some prominence. Definitely. Well, have a great Thanksgiving, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Joined now by Taylor. And uh, first off, let's get your thoughts on those two wins for the Shockers last week. Yeah, I mean, they they did exactly what we talked about last week is, you know, they wanted, you know, after they, they were 2-0, and but they hadn't really played well. You know, the, the level of play wasn't up to, you know, Greg Mar- Marshall's standards and you know, it's early in the season, first two games, you can kind of write it off, but, you know, they found a way to get the win, but, you know, before these Cancun games where, you know, there's going to be a step up in, in competition and the caliber of athlete, you wanted at least some feel-good momentum going into that, and that's exactly what WSU did this last week with uh, coming off those two games in four days, and, you know, they put up 103 points, you know, no better way to build confidence than to hit 15 threes, tie the school record, score, drop 103 and then followed up with, you know, a, a dominant first half against Gardner-Webb. Wheels kind of fell off there the last three, four minutes of that first half. But overall, I thought it was a, a pretty good performance from WSU. Uh, anytime you jump out to, you know, a 20, 25-point lead in the first half, you know, things are going to kind of be wacky from, from there on out. But, you know, Gardner-Webb, they rallied and got it within 13 right after uh, at halftime, and you kind of got that uneasy feeling like, wow, are they going to uh, really let them back? in this game and then they, they put their foot down I think they went on like a 13-0 run something like that to, to put the game away again so um, exactly what WSU needed uh, play and the defense has been lights out all four games and now we got the offense the, they got their offense going a little bit and uh, yeah I mean things are looking good going into Cancun a lot of momentum on both sides of the ball pretty much everyone who's playing uh, I mean is, is contributing in some way 
and he's got that that bench of 11 deep and a whole 11 are you know doing their own things to, to help WSU win right now I want to talk about last Sunday you had all of Shocker Nation refreshing Twitter every 30 seconds. Uh, you know, first of all, we might need to talk about what is classified as big news versus really big news and different things like that. There seemed like a lot of, you know, some people thought Greg Marshall's getting signed to some lifetime contract or a big new series with We're KU getting Wiseman as a walk-on. Yeah, I saw a lot of conspiracy theories out there, but it was pretty darn good news Jaden Michael, four-star guy, reclassifies to 2020. We talked a little bit with Paul about this, but basically now you have the exact same roster for the next three years. Talk a little bit about maybe, I know you talked with some folks from Rivals and you've, you've studied uh, Jaden's game. Talk a little bit about him and also maybe what this roster looks like moving forward. Yeah, well, first off, that tweet took off way more than I, I ever expected it to. I thought people would be able to, to kind of put it together that I I sent that tweet about Jaden the the day before. And, uh, it, yeah, you they really took it in uh, all kinds of different directions. I saw a lot of Van Fleet getting his uh, jersey retired and all that stuff. So I almost wanted the comments like, okay, I guess in, in that realm, yeah, it's not that big of news, but – um, the, the big news was that they not only got him, but he was reclassifying. And that was uh, kind of the exciting part of that, that recruiting, because a lot of uh, people were recruiting him for 2021. And then WSU comes in pretty late in the game, and they got him over some, some pretty big-time programs. This is a, uh, another Rivals 150 kid. Uh, I mean, Marshall signed two last year in Etienne and, and Sherfield. Now he gets his third in the, the last two years. And this is a big-time gift for Greg Marshall to uh, credit Tyson Waterman. He, he was the lead on this recruiting. He's been worth his weight in gold so far for WSU on the recruiting trail. I mean, he's got Sherfield. He's got um, uh, Dexter Dennis. He brought him with them. So um, a lot of really good players have been brought in already by Tyson. And, um, so, yeah, Jaden Michael – basically i mean a dexter jr i mean i don't know if he's going to be able to be the scorer that dexter is already he's probably he's definitely not the shooter that dexter is but in terms of athleticism he's a freak athlete and defense first i mean this guy he gets after it there's not too many guys that are uh in the top 150 in recruiting based on their defense but uh Jaden michael is certainly one of those guys and it's not like he can't score but he's more of a slasher and for the role that WSU is bringing him in for, he's, I mean, he's probably not going to average, you know, 15 points a game for, for WSU. He's going to be um, kind of the role that I would compare him to is maybe like a, a more athletic Zach Brown, kind of the defensive stopper on the wing. And having that guy and Dexter Dennis on the same team, that's going to be scary good for WSU to have two long wings, long wingspan, 6'5", and can just, get, I mean, guard one through four basically. So, uh, this is a big-time gift for WSU. They don't need scoring. Like you said, I mean, this is going to be the same roster for the next three years. You guys got like, you got guys like Sherfield and Etienne and Noah Fernandez and Dexter, Eric, Jamarius. So, going to need scoring. They got exactly the kind of player they need, that that glue guy, that junkyard dog, Richard Kelly, Zach Brown types. So, um, perfect fit for WSU's roster over the next four years and uh, kind of give them some protection too in case Dexter blows up and goes to the NBA. Uh, you have a basically a Dexter Jr. in the waiting uh, at small forward. 
The Shockers have one more game on their homestand before going to Mexico next week. They play the Oral Roberts Golden Eagles this Saturday at 2 p.m. The game will be broadcast on Your View Kansas 22. The Golden Eagles are 2-3 and three on the year. They were picked to finish third in the Summit League. They've lost two familiar names in Oklahoma State, Tulsa, and Iowa, although these games were pretty close. They lost to Oklahoma State by 5 they lost to Tulsa by 7, and they lost to Iowa by 13. So, uh, you know, a, a team that is 172 in Ken Palm, this is another game that the Shockers should win, but at the same time, they've played against a pretty decent competition so far this year. Yeah, and they have uh, Oral Roberts as a really good freshman guard that's uh, been playing well for them early on. They have a good big guy, 6'8", 240, kind of like a Muggy Deze for WSU, so... Um, and speaking of Mo, I mean, how good has he been these last two games? Uh, two starts, two career highs for, for Mo. Um, you know, Marshall really challenged the, that center group. Those three guys, after the first two games, they had more fouls than field goals or uh, points, uh, more fouls than points. And uh, Mo Udeze has really stepped his game up the last two games, and uh, 15 points. He's so good as, as the role man in the pick-and-roll offense. And uh, also, they can throw it down on the block and just, I mean, you can go get a bucket now. And WSU has not had that, you know, without Jaime Echenique. So that's a big development. And uh, Marshall kind of hinted that we might see Jaime on Saturday, too, depending on the news. I have not heard anything today. Um, we're taping this Wednesday night. I've not heard anything yet on how Jaime's uh, his, uh, follow-up uh, doctor's appointment went today. Uh, they should know the news. That doesn't mean they're going to publicize it, but we'll try to find out on Friday. They usually have like a assistant coach uh, press conference. Um, so maybe we'll hear an update Friday, but he hinted that he might be able to play on Saturday, which will be, I think, exactly one month after he had broken that left hand. So those are kind of two storylines that to pay attention to. But like you said, you know, Oral Roberts kind of along the same lines as, as, a, as a Gardner Webb and, um, and kind of like a, a Nebraska Omaha, you know, Good, good teams in their conferences. Definitely not pushovers. Uh, WSU's gonna have to play well to put them away. But you know, if they if they just bring you know a C C plus game, they should be able to to take care of them. Uh, but you don't want a C C plus. You want another you know high B, maybe even an A game. Another you know maybe a, a hundred point explosion again. So uh, we'll see if WSU can carry this momentum they've kind of built these last two games. You want to go uh, be going into Cancun with some momentum and. It's going to be kind of a, a rough road trip there because I think they're leaving at like 4 a.m. on, on Sunday morning uh, to go to Cancun. So uh, they're going to have to kind of get adjusted before that big game on Tuesday. You talked about a freshman guard for Oral Roberts. That's actually their leading scorer, 6'1 freshman guard Max Abmas. He's averaging 16.4 points per game. As far as next week is concerned, on Tuesday, the Shockers will take on the South Carolina Gamecocks. They come in at 3-1 and one on the year after a surprising loss to Boston University on Tuesday night. They lost 78-70. to 70. The game on Tuesday will be at 5 p.m. and will be broadcast on CBS Sportsnet. So I, I think this Cancun challenge is neat because all three teams that the Shockers have a possibility of playing, of course, they're going to play South Carolina and then the 
possibility of West Virginia or Northern Iowa. There's some interesting storylines. A lot of Shocker fans familiar with Frank Martin from his time at Kansas State. Obviously, you followed him at South Carolina. You got the Huggy Bear in West Virginia. Uh, and then you have uh, old foe Northern Iowa and Ben Jacobson from the Missouri Valley. So let's start with South Carolina, though. Uh, you know, do you think their loss to Boston University, you know, is, is a negative for the Shockers that gets South Carolina back on track or that it, you know, maybe shows the Shockers that these guys can, uh, you know, maybe be taken down? No, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, it shows kind of a, the sign of weakness of South Carolina. Um, I mean, they play Gardner-Webb. Uh, Gardner-Webb's actually going straight from Wichita to uh, South Carolina. And so um, that'll be kind of a score to watch on Friday to see how they fare against them. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're right. You know, whenever you lose a bye game at home to an uh, overmatched team like Boston, it's just not a good sign. And, um, you know, it can kind of go one or two ways, kind of like you say. I mean, it could snap them back and, be like that that's a wake-up call and get them playing close to their potential or you know it could kind of fester and uh i mean the the ball can the snowball can kind of keep going kind of like what's happening with uh, south florida right now they've, they've lost a couple bad ones at home and it's just kind of building and building but um you know south carolina they're they're dogs man they're uh they're so good at attacking the glass under frank martin uh, one of the best uh, offensive rebounding teams in the country uh the problem is they can't make shots so there's a lot of offensive rebounds available so um, they're kind of like, you know, the Shockers of uh, last year where they're winning with defense and rebounding, uh, not shooting well at all. Um, I mean, they, I think they're shooting like under 28% from the three-point line. So um, they're, they win ugly. That's kind of the Frank Martin way. Um, so if WSU can not get, you know, in that the muck and kind of play their game. And I know I know uh, Marshall, I mean, he's more than comfortable playing a, a game like that, but um, you know, WSU has a little more offensive punch, I think. And with the way that they've looked the last two games, I mean, who's to say that they're not the favorite to, to win it? I mean, go down there and, and win this thing, uh, especially with the way that they're playing. That'd be a huge confidence boost early in the season if this team can start 7-0 and and come back to Wichita, you know, Cancun Challenge champions, and uh, a couple nice wins under, the, under their belt, start building that NCAA tournament resume. The Gamecocks were picked to finish 10th in the SEC preseason poll. They're currently Ken Palm ranked number 69. You talked about the rebounding, Taylor. They're plus 10 in rebounding margin. They also averaged 9.3 steals per game. So that's something that, you know, the Shockers have been really good at not turning the ball over so far this year. That's something they'll have to continue to do. The leading scorer is 6'6 sophomore guard A.J. Lawson. He's averaging 17.5 points per game any other thoughts on the Gamecocks yeah I mean this is a game that they're they're really good at defense like you said I mean they're good at turning people over uh I mean their effective field goal percentage I'm looking at their Ken Palm right now 37 percent for effective field goal percentage is just unreal I know they haven't played like the toughest schedule but still you know holding teams at 37 percent effective field goal is is very very impressive and uh fourth in the nation if you're wondering so um, yeah, that's going to be the first really, really stiff challenge for Wichita State. We haven't really seen them matched up with, you know, the, the caliber of athletes that South Carolina is going to have. And, um, you know, it's going to be, you know, playing on a neutral court. I mean, they're going to have to generate their own excitement. It's probably going to be, I mean, a fairly empty gym. So I'd imagine that they're going to have to get up on this, get up for this game on their own. And they're not going to have that Coke Arena crowd, you know, backing them, cheering them on, uh, feeding off of that. So, it's going to be interesting to see how these freshmen react. I mean, WSU is relying a lot on, you know, Grant Sherfield, Tyson Etienne, 
Noah Fernandez, uh, you know, D'Anthony Gordon's playing, uh, playing in the rotation. So um, it'll be interesting to see how those freshman guards handle their first, you know, big time challenge when South Carolina, I mean, they're, they're a team that gets up in you. They're not afraid um, to, to really get up in the guards and try to force turnovers. And, um, you know, they've handled the ball, like you said, extremely, extremely well. They're basically a top five team in the country right now in terms of, you know, turnovers per game, turnover percentage, any metric you want to look at assist to turnover ratio is very high. So they've done an absolute amazing job so far through four games, but you know, we have, they haven't seen a team like South Carolina. So um, that's going to be the big challenge is just to see how those guys take care of the ball. Um, the good news for Greg Marshall, you know, you have a veteran in Jamarius Burton. You can always turn the ball over too um, if the freshmen struggle. So uh, WSU is just ridiculously deep right now. And uh, that's, that's uh, the thing that kind of got in that rhythm this last game of, you know, seven, five in, five out, just throwing bodies at people. And I think that's going to be a huge advantage for them, especially playing two games in two days. I'm not going down to Cancun, but I imagine there'll be a good amount of Shocker fans down there. But next year is the tournament you get excited for. They're down in Atlantis. That's when Duke, I believe Ohio State, and Creighton is supposed to be down there. So hopefully a lot of the Shocker fans are down in the Bahamas next year. Moving on to the next game, depending on if the Shockers win or lose, they'll take on Northern Iowa or West Virginia. Game is Wednesday at either 5 or 7.30 and will also be on CBS Sportsnet. Let's start with West Virginia, the higher-rated team. The Mountaineers are currently 3-0. They were picked to finish 5th in the Big 12, and they are Ken Palm ranked number 50. This would be, according to Ken Palm, the favorite to win the tournament, but your thoughts on Coach Huggins and the Mountaineers? Yeah, I mean, they're off to a good start. Um, they have a, a pretty solid win so far. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think these are the, I think West Virginia, WSU, those are the two teams that are probably going to be favored uh, going into their games. And uh, West Virginia is kind of, you know, the same type of team as South Carolina. You know, uh, Frank Martin has, you know, worked with Bob Huggins. So, um, you know, the, the minds think alike. And uh, what is surprising to me about West Virginia this year is that they're off to a pretty good offensive start. You know, they're known for their defense under Huggy Bear, um, but the defense is kind of struggling a little bit uh, to their standards. They're, they're fouling a ton so far, putting people on the line. But on offense, this is another top 10 offensive rebounding team. So, you know, if, if WSU faces South Carolina and West Virginia, you know, keeping them off the glass is going to be a huge issue or a huge challenge, I, sh- I should say, for uh, Trey Wade and the, the three centers. So um, that's that's kind of where they're the bread and butter. You know, they, they don't shoot it uh, tremendous, but uh, they get so many offensive rebounds, they hardly turn the ball over. Or they turn the ball over about an, an average Yeah, they turn the ball over uh, 13.7 times a game. we got to <laughs> stop you there. They turn the ball over a lot. That was my key stat to the game. Yeah, sorry, I was looking at uh, the uh, the other one. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so they they turn the ball over about an average amount. Uh, offensive rebound, they're they're great at. They're great at getting to the line. Uh, so I mean, that's a team that you know, Big Twelve athletes. You know, they're a bottom half Big Twelve team, but still the Big Twelve is pretty pretty stacked. So um, yeah, that's a that's a big time challenge if WSU uh, gets them uh, matched up in a second day. 
6'7", senior guard Jermaine Haley, currently leading the squad at 12.7 points per game, but another player right behind him at 12 points per game. So uh, pretty even scoring attack for the Mountaineers. Other team, the Northern Iowa Panthers, 5-0 and on the year, still led by head coach Ben Jacobson, who we're all familiar with from the Missouri Valley days. They were picked to finish third in the Valley, current Ken Palm 101. Uh, I, I hope they don't play because I think West Virginia is going to beat Northern Iowa, but who knows? I mean, Evansville went to Kentucky and beat them, so we never know what's going to happen in that game. But if they do, I think it would be kind of neat for the Shockers to go against an Old Valley foe. Yeah, I think uh, I think fans would really enjoy that, seeing them play uh, against a Valley team. I'm kind of curious, you know, uh, in the, the near future, if, uh, you know, if they schedule one in the non-conference, uh, I'm curious to get a, uh, I'll have to ask uh, Greg Marshall that at some point this season. But, um, yeah, that, I think that would be a matchup that fans would enjoy. You know, so many good memories, so many good rivalry games with, with the, the Panthers. So, I mean, and like you said, I mean, they're off to a good start, you know, 6-0. and So, uh, who knows? I mean, maybe they go down there and shock West Virginia. They play at such a slow uh, slow pace, uh, one of the slowest teams in the country. But, you know, they're very effective. They're the mid-major they version of Virginia. I mean, basically, yeah, they, they play yeah. the exact same way Virginia does, which led to a national title. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think WSU, I think with their athleticism and the way they get after it, I think, uh, I mean, they would be favored in that game. But, um, you know, Northern Iowa, I mean, they can frustrate teams playing at their pace, get them out of their their comfort zone a little bit. So um, that would be an interesting matchup for sure. That's uh, it's a good yeah, these are two good matchups down there. Both of these games, uh, Northern Iowa, West Virginia, and then WSU South Carolina. I mean, those are two straight good games uh, for for all four teams. So it's gonna be fun, a lot of fun down there to see. And um, yeah, I mean, I think nobody. I mean, none of these are gonna be bad losses. I don't think. All right, it is buy or sell time. Coming back, producer Brian. Well, before we get to the buy or sell, we didn't talk about the big news. Wiseman getting a suspension. He's going to be out for the Wichita State game on January 9th. What do you guys think? The last game of his suspension. If they would have just sat him out like they should have, he would have been back in time. But well, they even I mean, I added guess, uh, games. They added games just because he got played during that time. I think it's uh, it's 12 games or something. Or, yeah, I think the Wichita State is the 12th game. Yeah. Memphis fans have some right. I tell you, they're all become lawyers on Twitter all of a sudden. <laughs> and they're all going to appeal it. And, and, and who knows, they, they are going to appeal the suspension and it could end up being where he does get a play in Wichita. I'm a little tired of the whole saga. You know, did something happen that shouldn't have happened? Yes. Is it going to pay his punishment? Yes. And, and we can just all move on. Hopefully, you know, don't have to keep talking about this every week. <laughs> all right. So buy or sell. We'll start with you, Taylor. Do you see that there are two or more future NBA players on this roster, buy or sell? Uh, on Memphis? No, no, no. Wichita State's roster. Two. Oh, on Wichita. Two or more. Uh, I will. I will sell. I think. Man, someone would would really have to to develop to become an NBA player. I think Dexter gets a chance. Um, I think the guards, the freshman guards have a chance, but 
you know, they're both kind of undersized for like NBA guard standards. So they would really, really have to be good players. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe Jaime Echenique comes back too and uh, just balls out. But I'm going to sell that for now. Um, if you're asking me like right at this moment. Well, it's I'm only fun Dexter's now. Only it's only fun now before <laughs> it's obvious. You know, Taylor, I'll, I remember I'll another undersized guard who no one thought was going to make the NBA. Oh, that was Fred <laughs> Van Vliet. True. And you know what he did? He bet on himself and he made it. So I'll buy that. I, I think Dexter is certainly going to have the opportunity just with his athleticism and, and maybe a Tyson, you know, a sharpshooter. And we'll see these guys develop. All right, so it's it's been no uh, no secret that Asbjorn has really struggled out the gate. You know, there was a lot of talk in the off season as far as he was he was really making big strides. Second half of last season really uh, turned things around and became an impact player for Wichita State in the American Athletic Conference. But he struggled these first four games. So buy or sell, Asbjorn will redeem himself in conference play this year. Dustin. I'm going to sell that just because I feel like he's pretty far down the depth chart right now, and I still think they're going to have a, a rotation, but there's only so many minutes they're going to go around. Coach Marshall's on the record of saying when Echenique's in the game, that gives them you know some additional opportunities that they maybe don't have with the group right now. Although most playing good, so I know it's just a small sample size, but hopefully we see these guys continue to develop. Uh, he's a big body, someone you can throw in there, particularly when you get into conference season. I think you want to use all five fouls on all the centers as much as you can and really get physical but i i would have to sell that i'm also gonna sell uh for the same reason that dustin said i just don't think the minutes are going to be available i think uh Echenique, from what i was hearing before the injury he was uh the best player on the team and uh you know even the hand i mean he's not able to shoot i mean he's not left-handed so it hasn't affected him really uh i've been told that he's stayed in shape he's still looking really really good so I think when he comes back, he's going to play about 50% of the minutes. And, you know, that three-headed monster is going to, you know, dwindle the, the second and third heads. And I think Mo Udeze has a stranglehold on that second spot. And then uh, Poor Bear has been playing better. And, you know, I just don't see the minutes uh, available for Asbjorn. I will say I think there is going to be uh, a Central Florida-type game. Maybe it's uh, at Memphis uh, when uh, when Wiseman is playing. Maybe he's able to, to put a big body on Wiseman. I do think there will be one game in the American Conference schedule where Asborn helps WSU win, or if, if they didn't have him, they wouldn't win the game. So I think he, he will still serve a purpose, but I don't think he's going to be a consistent uh, producer for WSU. All right, so the big surprise starting out the year was with the injury to Jamarius Burton, Grant Sherfield starting at point guard all four games to begin the season. Now we've got Burton healthy again. He's playing really well, hitting his shots. Fernandez is got back in the game. He's He's got the foot injury dealt with, and he's playing some more. So there is now competition at that point guard spot for the starting position. So buy or sell, Taylor. Grant Sherfield stays starting point guard the rest of the season outside of injury. I will sell it. I think uh, we could see JB. I, I think we could see the switch as early as Saturday. I think Jamarius is playing uh, too well right now to, to keep him out. But, 
you know, who knows, maybe they, maybe he likes coming off the bench and, you know, establishing that, that rhythm with kind of the, the second unit. I mean, Marshall usually subs them in within the first three minutes of the game anyway. And, uh, you know, coaches always say it's not who starts, it's who finishes. So JB is still playing, you know, plenty of minutes uh, relative to the team. Uh, I do think he, he's going to reenter the starting lineup and be the point guard at some point. Um, but I think we could see Sherfield and JB on, on the court at the same time, maybe bring Eric Stevenson off the bench. Um, so, you know, WSU has a lot of flexibility to play with. I think just the, um, you know, it's the odds are that they're they're going to rotate some kind of starting lineup, and, and at one point JB will be the starting point guard for this team. Yeah, I'll buy that as well. One thing that I enjoy that Taylor does after the game is he has the percentages that each player is playing in each position. And I think that's interesting because you see, you know, how, uh, you know, flexible these guys are and how Marshall can really play the hot hand or, or really kind of put a lot of different lineups out there. You also start to see a little bit more consistency as far as when WSU is playing at its peak performance, which players are on the floor. And Burton is one of those players. And so I think he's, you know, going to continue to rise to the top but also you know one through 10 12 whatever it is it doesn't really matter who starts it's it's kind of who has the hot hand that night all right and finally one of those interesting things or sorry one of the interesting things that I've, that I've noticed the last two games is that Dexter is basically uh he's playing almost more minutes at power forward than he is at small forward so that's kind of an interesting development they're kind of using him as kind of a, a little bit of a the Marcus McDuffie stretch four role uh when Trey Wade needs a breather, I think that's kind of an interesting use of Dexter is that to use him as that backup four. So that that was something that kind of caught my attention these last two games. And finally, we've got uh, the big uh, trip to Cancun coming up. Wichita State's been playing well. We would expect them to, to handle their business against Oral Roberts. But then the schedule continues to get tougher. We got games against o- Oklahoma State, Oklahoma at Interest Bank Arena. So buy or sell, Dustin, Wichita State makes it to that Oklahoma showdown undefeated. Ugh, I'm going to sell that. Uh, I don't know which game, but I think they do falter one of these games. Uh, I, I get a little nervous seeing South Carolina lose to Boston University. Now they do play Gardner-Webb before, but uh, you know you get a little nervous about teams wanting the revenge or really finally the coaches getting the attention of the players that they need. Uh, the game down in Stillwater I don't think will be you know an easy one. Although, you know, I, I could see them making it to the IBA game undefeated as well. Just if, you know, gun to my head, I'm going to sell that. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with Dustin. I think just the the odds of them winning two, you know, neutral, basically three games away from Coke Arena, probably not, you know, over 50% for such a young team. But I mean, my gut, my gut instinct does say that they win all three of those. I think that they're playing really well. And now you throw in uh, Jaime Echenique, if he's able to come back. I mean, the the left hand injury shouldn't really affect very much of what he does. So I mean, I think if once he comes back, he should be you know good to go. I mean, pretty close to 100 percent. So I think that you know throw him in the mix, man. That's this is a really tough team with the way that Udeze is playing. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna go by. I think that this team is gonna be undefeated. I think they're gonna be a top twenty five team going into that OU, the Austin Reeves Bowl. Boy, you talked yourself into that. It started on one end and I before did, you know I it, did. you're all the way on well, the opposite to, team. 
So, so bonus. Well, we, have to, uh, we have to go opposite of one of these answers. Well, yeah, some, something like that. Bonus question, does Oklahoma make it to that game undefeated? I do not know their schedule, so let me look. Bonus question, buy or sell the shock block. What do you think about that? That's, I, I didn't like that name. I'll sell it. I think the the, the student section itself, they're doing, they're doing cooler better. things. But, yeah, I, still, I don't think the um, – the I mean, the – they're not filling up the, the whole the whole student section, but they're being more creative. I've seen them do more, um, you know, chants and stuff like that. So that's been now. Let's uh, talk improved. about that. You can't yell nuts and bolts, nuts and bolts. We got screwed every damn time. You don't like a call. I mean, they said that seven to eight times last night. Let's get a little creativity, you know. But uh, they, you know, they have some different. Uh, been dressing up tropical the other night. I mean, it's been good. We just need to see more fans in the seats. Exactly. Do you guys think that I was going to pick your guys' uh, brain on, on this? Do you think that I'm sure it's a combination of a lot of things, but just, you know, the, I would say the capacity of Coke has been at probably what, like 85% maybe. Um, is that a result of just the, do you think it's more to do with the, the Saturday 2 PM games? Is that just a really, really bad start time for uh, during football season or is it just the quality of opponents uh, what do you guys think is kind of the, the reason for kind of the dip in attendance, at least in these early games? I, I think it's probably, to me, it's it's a combination of factors. It's not just that it's an afternoon game during college football season. It's also really nice weather those Saturdays for some reason. You know, we just hit a couple days where it was really nice outside. And so you also some have, people don't might... have opponents that are really going to get people excited or, or a non, let's say an average fan or even just a, a layman fan to, to get up out of their seat and say, oh, I want to go buy a ticket to see, you know, no offense, but I don't want to go buy a ticket to see UT Martin or something like that. Right. I think it'll pick up once, once the games are going to be against VCU and Ole Miss, I think you're instantly going to see that that packed house, that energy be there. And it's certainly, while we complain about, you know, oh, it's not as, as full as it could be, you know, it's vastly superior to, you know, 90% of, of any of the other major conference schools can get against, you know, nobody. And if they make it to OU undefeated, the building's going to be full for those December games moving forward in Coke. So it's more just a matter of, you know, timing here. We got people going to football games. You got people going to other, you know, uh, basketball games here in the area. So no cause for alarm. Taylor, you had uh, some new uh, coverage this week around the AAC. I know you mentioned USF, but any other American schools you want to mention? Yeah, that was. Uh, I'm a huge uh, Zach Lowe fan, so that was kind of the uh, the ten things I, I like and don't like. He does that column every every week in the NBA. That was kind of the inspiration for that, where I kind of look at. Um, you know, there's 11 teams in the the AAC. The team that I got left out was East Carolina because I, I I mean Jaden Gardner, and that's that's about it. Um, so not a lot to like at, at East Carolina. Um, Tulane has kind of caught my attention. Uh, they haven't played anybody, but they're three and zero. They got the the Georgia transfer to Sean Hightower. Um, he's looking really good, averaging 19 on on really high efficiency. I think they play somebody pretty big coming up, so I'm curious to see how they they do in the, the step up in competition. Um, 
Temple has looked really, really good. Nate Pierre-Louis, I was all in on him before the season. I put him first team all-conference. Uh, a lot of people kind of uh, raised their eyebrows because Quentin Rose is kind of the, the big-time player for them, but uh, I just don't really like Rose's game. He's just a high, high-volume shooter, basically, really bad shooting percentages. And Nate, uh, Nate Pierre-Louis is just, uh, just a beast on defense, the best on-ball defender I've seen. Uh, I've been told that he's, you know, on that to Cal Cotton level. I mean, he's just like taking balls away from, from point guards trying to bring the ball up the court. And um, and now they've moved him to point guard, and he has the ball in his hands all the time. And uh, he's running that offense really, really well. His assist rate is really high, and uh, he's he's got a, got them looking uh, really good. UConn's a team I can't figure out. They have a really bad loss at home to St. Joe's, and they, they turn around and beat number 15 Florida right right uh right after that so they're those are kind of the teams that were in that middle uh that middle pack smu uh went on the road and got a good got a good win um so those middle of the pack teams uh those are teams that could surprise and uh, all three of them are looking really good right now uh memphis uh don't really know i need one or two games of, of serious competition to kind of Peg them, Houston. They've they took a bad or not a bad loss, but a surprising loss to BYU at home. I uh, got knocked off on a last second jumper. They don't look that great last night against Rice either. Uh, they benched their their art, maybe their best player, uh, Dejon Giroux. Um So that's that's kind of interesting. He got benched and only played 15 minutes in that game last night. Uh, Cincinnati, Jaron Cumberland. He's uh, he got benched. He didn't even get play. He didn't even play the last game for Cincinnati. That's a story to watch because that could that could turn really sour really fast. The first year coach John Brandon is kind of flexing his muscles and saying, "Hey, if you're not on board with my system, uh, I mean, you're not going to play." And that could go south really quickly. I'm very interesting, very interested to see if he uh, goes on the trip. I think they play Friday, so I'm very interested to see if he plays and makes that trip. Um, if not. Man, Cincinnati that could be a huge loss for Cincinnati. Kind of, you know, knock them out of that probably the the title discussion. So, I think the top of the AAC is looking pretty wide open right now with uh, with Wiseman uh, out. He's gonna have to come back and kind of uh, get the chemistry back with those guys. And Houston losing to BYU. Cincinnati's without the the reigning AAC Player of the Year. So. Uh, honestly, I mean WSU they had those two rough first games, but and they have a chance to, to you know look like the best team in the American at least early on if they can go to Cancun get those two wins uh, go get a nice win at Oklahoma State so they have a chance to kind of position themselves as a, as a, as a title contender at the very least and um, I think the AAC is maybe a little more open than, than originally thought because Houston's not looking as, as elite as I thought they would and, and now it's going to be interesting to see you know what happens with Memphis I still think you know they're, mo- they're the most talented team but you know, now we're going to see uh, how they look without Wiseman and, uh, you know, without a, a seven-footer uh, that they can rely on for 20 and 20 almost every game. Last question, how many dinner rolls are you going to eat over Thanksgiving? Well, I'm I'm going to be in Cancun, so I'm going to have to find some dinner, dinner rolls. Um, that was my one big regret. I always eat the Hawaiian dinner rolls here. And then when I went to I went to Hawaii right before the season, I did not eat any Hawaiian dinner rolls in Hawaii. So uh, one of the big regrets. I'm gonna have to make up for it. Uh, I know I let I let my fans down, um, but I'm gonna have to come back strong. And uh, I might go crazy. I might go 20. 
30 if I'm feeling good. <laughs> well, have a good time down in Mexico. We'll be back after that to recap the Cancun Challenge and get you ready for some big Don Con games coming up in early December. Gotta rate us five stars, baby. <laughs> <laughs>